The following program was previously recorded. We regret we'll be unable to accept your phone calls, but we invite you to participate during the next live broadcast of this program. The following is a CNY Talk Radio presentation. This is Taps Paramagazine Radio. Taps Paramagazine Radio. Here are your hosts, J.V. Johnson and Aaron Sagers. Welcome to Taps Paramagazine Radio, your weekly broadcast into things unknown. Brought to you by the Atlantic Paranormal Society, Taps Paramagazine, and the Leatherstocking Media Group, and heard exclusively on the CNY Talk Radio Network. Of course, joining us guest host as well, Stacey Jones. I'm J.V. Johnson. Aaron Sagers is here. We've got a great program lined up for you tonight. We actually have um, um, the producer, writer, and director of a documentary, Eyes of the Mothman. We're talking about Matt Pulowski. He'll be joining us a little bit later. We'll be talking about the Mothman uh, legend and sightings of the Mothman and all the various components of that story, which is actually quite quite fascinating. That's coming up later in the program. Aaron? Yeah, let's uh, let's take a, a peek at some paranormal headlines here. And uh, we're going to start right out with some, some Ghost Hunters news from our, our TAPS family. Um, as you may know, Jason Hawes and, and the rest of the Ghost Hunters team is out in Hawaii filming. And um, last week we had on Britt Griffith to talk about uh, the fact that they're filming in Hawaii. Well, uh, Jay Hawes actually went on the air uh, with a Rhode Island uh, TV station, WPRI, and added a little more information about the fact that, you know, they, they took some coverage at a Frito-Lay plant um, and added that he and his crew, they had to move to higher ground when the tsunami was approaching uh, Hawaii, the uh, the Japanese tsunami. And um, one of the things he says is, uh, he says, quote, it's not something Rhode Islanders are used to, and ain't that the truth. Uh, Hawaii is about the size of Rhode Island, and there's not really many high spots that you're going to go to. The thing is, it may only be a six-foot wave but it's a six-foot wall that just pushes and pushes. And uh, he added, though, that you know people actually were handling the, the threat pretty well and uh, kept things under control. And another tidbit that comes out of this is we found out that there's going to be three shows of Ghost Hunters that's going to emerge out of this, uh, this uh, investigation in Hawaii. We don't know the locations yet, but three shows. Uh, that's pretty interesting. And uh, moving on from Ghost to Bigfoot. Uh, this comes to us from the cryptozoological site Cryptomundo. Uh, well, you know what? The ACLU is defending Bigfoot. Sort of. Uh, a performance artist and amateur filmmaker who dressed up as the uh, beast Bigfoot, he said that New Hampshire park rangers did not have the right to kick him off a mountain. Um, now, why was he kicked off the mountain? Because he had been scaring or amusing uh, depending on who you ask, hikers, uh, while his friends videotaped his antics. That was uh, Jonathan Doyle. He is suing the state of New Hampshire now, arguing that he should not have been required to pay a $100 special use permit. And you know what? The American Civil Liberties Union is backing him up on that. So let me get this right. The guys dressing up like Big, Bigfoot probably heard our broadcast last week talking I'm about sure. the million-dollar prize to uh, for evidence of Bigfoot. He wants to throw his hat in the ring and say, look, I caught myself. Yeah, so he's so he's dressing up like Bigfoot. He's running around on the top of a mountain, scaring or amusing, depending amusing. on whose point of view you take, uh, hikers. And the state wants to, will allow him to do it if he buys a permit. <laughs> 
Yeah, a, a hundred dollar special use permit. 30 days in advance, so you got to know in advance that you're going to be Bigfoot. And then you also have to get a $2 million insurance bond. Um, but he says that violates his free speech you know, rights. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm just bewildered by is the, the increasing cost of being Bigfoot these days. I know. it's uh, You know what? It brings a whole new meaning to don't tread on me. <laughs> With your really big feet, uh, government. Uh, Stacy, welcome back to the program. We're so excited to have you along with us again. And um, in the last couple of weeks, we've just had a great time, and uh, we've had some terrific discussions. It's It's been really fun, really fun. And we look forward to continuing that as we prepare for our first guest. Uh, just a quick uh thoughts on the Mothman stuff. You know, the documentary that we'll be talking about, Eyes of the Mothman, uh, which Matt uh, wrote, directed, produced, um, goes into quite some depth of, of the legend. But uh, these sightings, while they were intense in the time period of the documentary, we're talking about the late 60s, they actually uh, have, have spanned beyond that time and actually um, cover some different geographies. Yeah, it's not just uh, West Virginia that's claiming their seat now. It's kind of spread out all over, which kind of brings the question of what is the origin of it? Yeah, and there's there's a whole lot to cover here with with the Mothman and um, and this new film. It's you know it, it covers all sorts of aspects of the paranormal. You know, is it is it extraterrestrial? Is it you know perhaps angelic even? You know, what else is is going on with this? So I'm looking forward to speaking with this guest. Yeah, there are a lot of components to this story. This is a very exciting interview, and we're looking forward to uh, doing this. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with uh, Matt Pulowski, writer producer, director of Eyes of the Mothman. That's all right ahead on TAP's Paramagazine Radio right here on CNY Talk Radio. This is TAP's Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. Welcome back to the program. By the way, our telephone number for our caller segments later in the program, 315-421-9325. Our email address, you can use that anytime, is radio at tapsparamag.com. That's radio at tapsparamag.com. If you'd like to send suggestions, ideas, ask questions, you can do that through email just as easily. Radio at tapsparamag.com. But we're anxious to get to our first guest uh, tonight. We are going to be speaking with Matt Pulowski, writer, producer, director of Eyes of the Mothman. Matt, thanks so much for joining us on TAPS Paramagazine Radio. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, in, in the process of uh, doing our homework on the Mothman uh, sightings and, and the story surrounded, one of the things that struck me, and in watching your, uh, your documentary, one of the things that struck me is this is a very, very involved and complex story. Yes, thank you. That was kind of uh, our major goal, was to have basically the most thorough investigation of these events. Um, we spent an entire year uh, living in Point Pleasant just to get to know the residents and the locals uh, before we even filmed a single frame uh, for this project. And we really kind of wanted to know what was important to them, uh, what hasn't been done uh, film-wise on the subject, and you know, the, the universal kind of uh, feeling was just that no one's really done a historical realistic, down-to-earth, grounded approach to the subject matter. That it's, you know, they were, the residents were kind of displeased that everyone always, outsiders always come in, just do a quick, you know, monster from outer space, you know, kind of a little bit more on the sci-fi side. They leave, and no one ever really pays attention to detail. So we, you know, 
know, we took that to heart. We were really trying to make a film for those people. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. Now, this is the first full-length documentary dedicated to the topic, at least in the approach that you took. And one of the things that struck me, too, is that uh, your dedication in the beginning of the documentary, you dedicate the, the DVD to your mother, and uh, you, you use a quote in that. Tell us what the quote was and uh, what it means. Um, you know what? It's been so long, I can't remember the exact <laughs> it's, it's, quote. It's the, uh, oh, the, Mom's the, house, be disappointed. the house-settling quote. The house settling. Oh, right, right. Yeah, sorry. I mean, honestly, there are so many quotes in yeah. the film, too. I, yeah. I used quite a bit of quotes from all about eyes and paranormal things. So. Okay, yes. Um, in the beginning, uh, it, it comes from just when I was a, a young kid. Uh, the house I grew up in was very old, and the reason I kind of got interested in the paranormal is I was always very kind of connected to those type of things. I would always hear a lot of things, see a lot of things, and it kind of, you know, when you're young, it, it piqued my curiosity. So I did more reading, more research, kind of trying to understand what these things were. And uh, my mom is a great person. She, uh, she's very much uh, an inspiration to my work as an artist. She's a very hard worker, so I get a lot of uh, what I have in terms of drive from her. So I dedicated it to her because, uh, because also she, um, you know, just to kind of calm me down, I would always be like, Mom, I just saw a clear person walk by my room. And she would say, oh, it's just the house settling. (laughs) I could see a drooling monster from outer space, you know, who I just took a Polaroid picture with as evidence. And she'd be like, yeah, it's just the house settling. So that was kind of my uh, playful way to, to, you know, introduce the film, um, I guess, in a more kind of casual way that, you know, I've had some of my own kind of strange experiences. But even with them, I've learned to kind of take it a little bit with a grain of salt or just to try to, be a little humbling about it, and um, you know, I think in Mothman there is some some of those things where these are some wild stories and crazy stories that you know some people have tried to pass off as just uh, it's just nothing. But you know, there there's always there's always two sides to every story, so uh, that was kind of just my way to introduce the film. Matt, before we get talking about uh, the actual uh, Mothman and related stories, what drew you to this particular story? <clears throat> well, like I said earlier that. Uh, you know, I was always kind of interested in the paranormal. As I got older, in my late teens, I started to uh, work as a writer, and I started working for, you know, just a few different um, paranormal-based magazines. So I used to research a lot about these things. You know, at the time, uh, the Internet was just kind of getting, getting started, so it wasn't as easy to do as much research as you can today. Um, but I, I was pretty thorough back then in, in my research. And uh, later, you know, as time went by, um, I moved more into filmmaking, and I was going. To, I went to go see a movie one day, and it just got uh, sold out. And I ended up walking into to the Mothman Prophecies uh, film with Richard Gere. I had no idea what it was. I'd never heard of it. And when I saw that film, and I saw that it was, you know, inspired by true events, I was really surprised that, you know, in all the years I'd kind of been into this stuff, I'd never heard of this story with, you know, so much of a collective uh, uh, grouping of so, so many strange things of UFOs, monsters, ghosts. You know, basically every paranormal element you could ever think of is in this story. So, of course, I went then and read the book. When I read the book, I, I, I liked the narrative film very much. But when I read the book, I just thought that a documentary could really do it a little more justice in terms of so many facts. Um, you know, I'm also a narrative filmmaker, so when I read that book, I, I understood, too, that, you know, when you make a narrative film, a lot of things have to get left out just for a lot of different reasons. So... I thought that even though the narrative film was very good, it must have been very difficult to leave out so many uh, crucial facts to this story 
so, but you know, you can kind of do that in documentary, and uh, it hadn't been done. Uh, so, you know, my uh, my research, you know, I looked around. There hadn't really been that many films on the subject in documentary format. So I thought, you know, it was time that somebody kind of covered it in that way. You're listening to Taps Para Magazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. Our guest. This hour is Matt Pulowski, writer, director, producer of the documentary Eyes of the Mothman. And, uh, Matt, I, have, I do have to say that uh, your story, seeing um, the Richard Gere Mothman Prophecies movie, uh, is similar to mine. I, I saw that for the first time and wondered, how has this story been kept secret for so long? Yeah, it's surprising. I mean, um, and I, I just, I still, I still don't know. I mean, uh, you know, when I, when I saw... That film, you know, I kind of, I, I looked at it as kind of the next Roswell, really, where I remember, you know, I've been into this stuff way before it became mainstream and way before, you know, the millennium hit and everyone was waiting for spaceships to come down in the year 2000 and Y2K and all that stuff. I've, you know, I've been interested in these things long before that. And I remember, you know, when the first Roswell documentary came out and another one came out and there was, you know, a lot of coverage in that. And when I found this, you know, I thought this would be the next thing. So I kind of wanted to be, you know, one of the, the kind of leaders in that kind of uh, idea of maybe, you know, if I can do something really thorough, uh, maybe more films will be made about it, maybe a bit make it kind of a little more mainstream, more people will find it, and hopefully, you know, it will bring about even more investigation because, you know, I think that uh, there's a lot that's still to kind of be discovered, even though, you know, we did a pretty uh, uh, thorough investigation on ourselves. Matt, this is Aaron Sagers. I'm the editor of TAPS Para Magazine. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I was really impressed with uh, about the documentary is you really do kind of contribute a lot to this story and um, and the legend and the myth, including the the curse of Chief Cornstalk. I, you know, like you, I would say I, I normally keep up on this stuff, but had never heard about this at all. So tell me a little bit of, about that, about the curse of Chief Cornstalk, but also the experience of when you when you found this information and you're like, aha, you know, this is a whole new dimension to this story. What what was that experience like? Well, um, the experience of kind of learning a little bit more about Cornstalk and some of these historical events. Um, you know, for people who don't know, uh, I believe it's late 1700s. Uh, Native American was uh, killed in, in in this town, and um, he was basically betrayed and murdered. Uh, a lot of people think that a lot of the unusual events that have transpired in this town come from a curse that's been put on the, the land there by the murdered uh, Indian chief there. Um, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, it's a, it's a fact that the man was killed, he was, he was murdered. So, you know, there's, not, there's kind of no folklore and legend with that. Obviously, you know, the legend comes, you know, the, the legend and myth aspect of it is, you know, did he curse the land? And people argue about this all the time in Point Pleasant. Um, you know, for me, when you find out things like this, what I liked about it is it brings, um, you know, to a degree, some credibility and some more historical aspects to the story. That's one of the things that really interested me about Mothman is that it wasn't just, you know, a bunch of people saw a crashed UFO or someone saw something strange in the woods or a light, and, that, and that's where it started and ended. You know, this story kind of starts in the 1700s and goes to present day, uh, just in terms of the, the historical things that have happened in this town. You know, there, there, there are no doubt about it, things that have occurred that people can't deny that kind of are fact, history, myth, legend, and they all kind of get blended into one. Um, so that's 
kind of really interested me as an artist, just that, you know, I didn't want to make something where it was completely uh, surrounded around myth or folklore. It was, you know, a little bit of both. There's little pieces of, of different elements of storytelling in the film of, you know, history, fact, and, uh, you know, real things that happen. Um, and with Cornstalk, I think it's a very important part um, of the Mothman story. There's a lot of people in Point Pleasant who take the Cornstalk curse very serious. And it's not really so much, you know, the, the hokey thing that you think of where, like, oh, you know, someone with a bunch of bones around a campfire was doing a, a curse on these people. It's more, uh, it's more about just, I think, uh, karma or, you know, someone doesn't actually have to verbally speak a curse. It's just, you know, a tragedy uh, of uh, unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances occurring in a place and people thinking that, you know, they're basically being judged for an act that shouldn't have been committed uh, on the same land. Hi, this is uh, Stacy. I have a question for you on that. What makes this town different than any other town across the world that has had some kind of a, of a of a injustice or tragedy? Why do you think this town specifically that this is is come back to to give them you know to come back to them again? Um. Well, you know, uh, most of the people, if you ask them, you know, why have you had so many hardships here? Why have you had so many tragic events? A lot of them acquaint it to the paranormal things because what's interesting is there's usually like a, a complementary balance where you have something definitive happen, uh, you know, like the bridge, the bridge, uh, there was a bridge in 1966 that collapsed and killed 46 people. You know, that's a real thing that happened. Uh, but what always happens is something like that will happen in this town. And it's, oh, there's always the counterpart of then someone comes out and says, well, you know, we saw some strange government people walking around on this thing three weeks before, or, you know, there were strange lights above the bridge, you know, one week before this happened. Every time something legitimate and real happens, uh, a, flood, a flood, a fire, um, I mean, there's even a case where a courthouse uh, blew up, and I think, I, I could be getting this wrong, but uh, this wasn't something I included in the film, but uh, Cornstalk's remains, his bones, I believe used to be at that same site to where the, the, the jailhouse blew up. So there's always some way to tie these real things back to these myths, these legends, or these people that are part of these myths and legends. So I think that's why it's a little different that, like, you know, a lot of the, the strange things can actually be substantiated through historical events, not proving that they're real, but just tying them together. And it just makes for a lot of strange coincidences. And I think what happens is, you know, you have one odd coincidence. You have two, you have three. When you start getting into 20, 30, 50 strange coincidences, you start to ask yourself, you know, what is coincidence and, and what is uh, definitive? And I think that's what happens here. Once again, you're listening to Taps Paramagazine Radio. Our guest this hour is Matt Pulowski, writer, director, producer of Eyes of the Mothman. And uh, I'm your host, J.V. Johnson, along with Aaron Sagers and Stacy Jones. We're going to continue our discussions. Matt, you've got some time for us, right? All right, terrific. We're going to come back because this this story really is uh, is the uh, A to Z nuts and bolts uh, of of paranormal. I mean, it really has a bit of everything here. And when we get into the details of this, uh, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Taps Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. Now more Taps Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, JV, along with Aaron Sagers and Stacey Jones. We continue our, continue our discussions with the writer, producer, director of the documentary Eyes of the Mothman. That's Matt Pulaski. Matt, again, thanks very much for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's, it's great to be here. Um, I appreciate it. It's always good to talk about Mothman anytime I can. So now, I'm here. One of the things that struck me about the, the documentary is that uh, while it's titled Eyes of the Mothman with good reason, it really could be... Uh, titled The Strange Occurrences Near and Around Point Pleasant, West Virginia, because it's way beyond just Mothman sightings here. It is. And, you know, in the invest, uh, the, uh, my research that I did, you know, I found that kind of the story of Mothman or the idea of Mothman really does go beyond just the events that occurred involving the creature. Um, you know, and most people that I talk to in, in town, uh, the people that live there, you know, when you say Mothman, Mothman doesn't just mean, you know, those that... Uh, incidents, Mothman means the Silver Bridge, it means the Men in Black, UFOs, government conspiracy, uh, it means uh, you know, Curse of Chief Cornstalk. And it, it really is about the entire collective history of their town. And, you know, what we found is that those, um, those stories were pretty fascinating, and, but everyone always focuses just on Mothman. So, I mean, the film is called Eyes of the Mothman. Uh, it's kind of the most, I guess, mainstream uh, aspect of that story. So we were trying to draw people in who may not be interested in these in like you know the history of this town. We're hoping to kind of draw other people in to the film by uh, calling it that and focusing on those subjects and hoping that they would you know in kind of discovering the film learn a lot of other things that they might not have expected to find uh, in a film like this. You know, Matt. I'm- you mentioned that it's uh, the the film is really about the collective experience of the town. What is the town like? Like when you when you roll into town um, and you're a stranger, are they accepting? Are they really you know resistant about you know another person coming in? And 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 the town itself, how does it feel? Is it is it eerie? Is it uh, you know a, a bustling area? I mean, it's, tell me about about the people that live there and about the town itself. The town is very interesting, um, and I've had a lot of great experiences there. Um, it's, it's very small. It's very quiet. Um, everybody does know everyone. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but when we were there, I mean, we, we were there, and we filmed, uh, we filmed a lot outside of Point Pleasant, too, but every time we would come back uh, home to, to Main Street to return to the hotel, you know, you would just past people that you've gotten to know by then to say hi, and they say, oh, you're up in Columbus, Ohio today at the university, right? And we were just like, how did you know that? <laughs> everyone, we wouldn't tell anyone, but everyone knew where we were, when we were. They, they, know, you know, they know what's going on in their town. Um, very nice people. I would say that you know, when I first went out there to talk to people about what I wanted to do about Mothman, you know, as soon as you say Mothman, they do, some of them do put up a little bit of a wall just, just to protect themselves because you know, they don't want to be misrepresented. They don't want to be uh, made fun of. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want to tell your life, their life story, which is strange and unusual, just to someone you know, who wants to know who's an outsider. You know, it, it's kind of an old-fashioned town uh, to where, you know, who you are, what you're trying to do, you know, face-to-face conversations mean a lot. So that's kind of how I am as a person, too. I'm pretty traditional in that way. So that's why, I mean, I went out there for a year just to meet people, not only just to kind of, know open doors for myself but i wanted i really actually cared about what these people wanted 
to represent in a film about their town because to me it was a film to represent kind of one voice for the community. I wanted to make sure we got it right. So there's a little bit of a guarded wall that's there, but once kind of people feel you out and see that you're genuine or see that you're you know, here for the right reasons, then it's, you're treated like family. And, and yet there, there's a, a statue, I, I guess it's in the, the middle of town, you know, this, this monument to the Mothman. It's a very ornate, you know, uh, statue. So, you know, to some degree, they're not really shying away from this legacy uh, when they have a essentially a tourist attraction in the town square, right? So, yeah. I mean, are there people that say, you know, that thing's an eyesore, I wish it wasn't here, or, you know, it's connected to, to an event where people died? Uh, I mean, what, what what's the situation there? There is definitely some debate. Uh, some debate. I'd say it's about... I'd say it's about 50-50 from the people I've talked to in terms of just, you know, there are people who, who don't like the idea, um, you know, for different reasons. There are people that, you know, sincerely believe that this thing was a, a demonic entity, you know, a, an angel of death, something associated with evil, and, and they don't, you know, they want to let it go. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want it, you know, they don't want to have to think about it every day or be remembered of it. Uh, you know, so there are people who don't like it for that reason. There are other people who just don't believe in it and think it's silly, and they don't want you know to uh, represent their town in that way. Um, but you know, I think the people that have embraced it and the people that are you know putting on they put on a Mothman festival every year. There is a statue there. I think the idea behind most of what they're doing out there is just that no one's saying this is normal. They're embracing it that all right, this is some really strange things that happened here. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it was, but they're not trying to cover it up or just deny it. You know, it's part of their history. It's part of their past. And I think a lot of the younger generations of people that I've met up there have had a pretty cool uh, approach to it, to where they're not trying to convince anyone what it was. They're not trying to, you know, fool anybody or, or just, you know, keep the legend going. It's just embracing the idea that these things did happen. Yes, they're strange and unusual, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about them. Uh, you know, just as you, you would talk about the historical events that have happened in the town that are definitive, you know, let's not talk about these just because they're more myth-based. So it's kind of a collective um, appreciation for the town's unusual history, I'd say. And, it, and it's getting, I feel like, as the younger generations are coming up there, it is getting a little more um, mainstream or a little more kind of uh, acceptable that these things are part of their history. I think it's some of the older generations that... Um, you know, don't, don't maybe like the idea as much, but that's kind of changing. You can kind of see that's changing to where, you know, people are embracing it a little bit more now. It's just it's part of the history, and there's nothing they can do about it. So you might as well now, now embrace I, it. I hear that, uh, it, you know, as far as Point Pleasant goes, there's not much there around. Am I right? You know, yeah, as far I mean, as, like, yeah, industry well, or, you know, that it just seems to be kind of one of those dying West Virginia towns. It is. It's a, you know, it is a small town. I mean, at the heart of where the main, you know, the quote-unquote main street, it is pretty barren and, and, and small. Um, and, and, you know, part of that reason is, you know, not to get into it too much, but to talk real quick about it, is, you know, the bridge that fell um, there to where, uh, you know, people died. 1966, 46 people lost their lives. That bridge that fell, uh, this is kind of another uh, way that people talk about it being cursed, where, okay, obviously it's a tragedy, a bridge fell and people died. But when that bridge fell, 
it didn't just, you know, the people that died in that bridge are not the only people that lost their lives. The people in that town, that town kind of died when that bridge died because that bridge used to be a causeway from Ohio to West Virginia. So people going through West Virginia to get to Ohio would essentially have to go through Point Pleasant to get to Ohio. Right. So when that bridge was there, it brought tourism. It brought people that wouldn't necessarily go to Point Pleasant through there. And it was a more bustling town. When that bridge collapsed and they rebuilt it, they rebuilt it, I want to say, maybe 30, 50 miles north of there. So now Point Pleasant is kind of at this uh, peninsula, you know, kind of at, at, at a tip of land that's uh, bordered by water on at least two sides. So it's kind of in a nowhere zone to where you really wouldn't go there unless you're going there for a specific reason. It doesn't kind of bring the tourism anymore. So when that bridge fell, it kind of killed the town. So you can see that. You can see, I mean, it's been, there's a, there's a few more bridges there now, but at that time, it really affected the economy there. And I think that's kind of what put them in the uh, economic uh, position that they're in now. And we're talking, of course, about the collapse of the Silver Bridge, uh, December 15th, 1967. Now, now here's my question. You know, they 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 kind of lost uh, their their livelihood. I, I hear a lot of people say that, you know, this whole Mothman thing was uh, a a really great thing for the town, especially the movie, because it brought business back in, and it's this Mothman has turned into a cottage industry, and people, you know, are 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 making a living off this again. Do you think that's the case here in the town? Do you think this is the way the people are thinking? Um, some of them, I think, you know, are trying to embrace it as a positive thing. I think what they're trying to do, I spoke to one woman down there who, uh, you know, three of her family members died on the bridge. And I spoke to her about, you know, what she thought about the Mothman and about, you know, the controversy of you know, people saying that it kind of, uh, um, you know, brings an inappropriate element to those people who are lost, you know, embracing the whole idea of this, this kind of strange creature. Uh, you know, and, and what she said was, you know, if, if this brings people here, if it's uh, a way to bring tourists uh, that, that gets them there and then they can learn about Point Pleasant and all the other kind of things that are, that are of, of importance there, uh, it's the history of the United States, and to, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of other interesting facts that most people won't discover there if they didn't, didn't kind of, they weren't brought there because of the story of Mothman. So I think people are embracing it as a touristic attraction, but they still are kind of doing it with respect, I would say. You know, they're, they're, they're not doing it kind of in a very hokey way, or that's not really kind of being embraced from what I uh, experienced. I think what they're trying to do is just, you know, kind of make a happy ending to the story where, you know, taking something that's tragic and unusual and sad and trying as best as they can to put a positive spin on it. And I think most of them use Mothman to bring people to the town them to kind of discover the charm of the town. The town is very charming. I mean, I've been back several times since because it's hard not to like. Everybody's extremely friendly. Uh, there's a lot of historical uh, things that you can do there that are of importance and of interest uh, against the, the history of the United States. You know, a lot of people argue the first battle of the American Revolution took place there. Um, there's, there's museums in town. There's a lot of interesting things I think people wouldn't discover or necessarily go there for if they didn't uh, discover it through Mothman. You're listening to TAPS Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. We're talking with writer, producer, director of Eyes of the Mothman, Matt Pulowski. By the way, the website is www.eyesofthemothman.com. We uh, certainly appreciate you joining us, Matt. Yeah, Matt, I, 
I'm actually wondering what is the uh, a two-part question here. What about the youth of the town? What what's their take on it? Are, do they think it's just uh, a lot of uh, superstition, um, you know, and, and uh, hokum from from an older generation? And secondly, I'm curious, how do the schools deal with this local history? I mean, uh, what do, what do teachers say about this in the schools? Um, you know, I, I, I can't talk too much about the, uh, the, the teachers there. Um, I, I honestly hadn't had that much interaction with the uh, educational system there. I mean, one thing I do know is that a lot of people have approached me about using the film uh, in their schools as an educational device just because it is a pretty much a uh, thorough collective history of the town. So I do know that, you know, and, and I guess in kind of looking at that, the fact that they kind of want to use the film as part of their educational system or possibly use it as part of their educational system, you know, shows that, I guess, you know, again, they're, I guess they're okay with the idea. They're okay with kind of embracing, you know, this strange history as part of, you know, who they are and what this town is about. Um, in terms of the, uh, the younger generations, what I noticed uh, in talking with them and kind of spending time out there is that it's, I'd say it's, again, maybe about 50-50 that, uh, you know, 50% of them, it's more of kind of a, like, it's become a little more pop culture, more mainstream. You know, there's no really fear behind it. It's just kind of like this cool thing that kind of happened. Most of them, I haven't heard many people talk negatively about it that are from the younger, younger generations of, oh, this is bad, we shouldn't have this here. But most of them, I feel, you know, they, they wear their Mothman T-shirt or, you know, it's become not kind of a gimmick, but it's, there's no fear behind it for them. But then there are other kids I've talked to out there, and, and I'm guessing it's probably, you know, descendants, of other people who were part of that story more closely that are afraid of it. They still, you know, think it might come back. There is still a, a fear in some of them that, you know, this is, was a very real thing. It was serious. You know, uh, people were affected by it, and it's dangerous. I mean, I think some of that comes from, you know, there were, there were people I spoke to that were Mothman witnesses that when you talk to them, you can just, that they're still emotionally affected to this day from it. I mean, this is 40 years later. Uh, so I think that, you know, must affect the younger generations as well, as well, when they can see, you know, their aunts, their uncles, you know, their, their grandfather, their grandmother, you know, talk about this thing. And it's a very real, very serious, a very dangerous thing. And I think some of that kind of has trickled down to the younger generations, that they understand to kind of appreciate or respect the fact that, you know, this is, was not a, uh, a gimmick or a joke or a hoax or something like that. You're listening to TAPS Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. When we come back, we'll continue talking with Matt Pulaski. We'll get into the real nuts and bolts of what this story entails, because it is quite complex and quite fascinating from a lot of perspectives. That's all coming up on TAPS Paramagazine Radio. This is TAPS Paramagazine Radio. TAPS Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. Welcome back to the program. JV here with Aaron Sagers and Stacy Jones as we continue our discussions with the writer, producer, director of Eyes of the Mothman, Matt Pulowski. And I had, uh, going into the break, promised that we'd get back and get into this whole story, but we do have a short segment before we have to go to news time. So we've got about uh, five, six minutes to introduce the idea of the story here. But then uh, Matt has agreed to stay with us uh, into the next hour, and we'll continue this discussion because really before having seen this particular documentary, Matt's, uh, Matt's production, I had no idea how complex this story was. 
Matt, we touched on the chief cornstalk uh, legend and curse. Um, really, the story takes a lot of twists and turns, but uh, to set the foundation uh, of everything that was to come with the sightings in the 60s, uh, we have to kind of go back to the 40s and talk about the uh, the, the munitions uh, factory, the TNT factory, and, and what was going on there during wartime. Yes, uh, the film kind of, uh, you know, the film, as we talked earlier, is a detailed history of Point Pleasant. And what we try to do is, in chronological order, discuss uh, historical um, incidents that transpired there that may or may not have had an influence on the entity known as the Mothman. So in chronological order, we kind of discuss the strange history of the town. And uh, getting past Cornstalk, we move into uh, the next kind of important element of the story, which is basically a military base that was built uh, during World War II. And um, I forget the, the numbers, but I believe it's like 90% of the bombs used in World War II were manufactured at this plant in Point Pleasant. So again, kind of you see not just the strange side of Point Pleasant, but just the uh, interesting history uh, of the town. There's this little town kind of in the middle of nowhere that you may never have heard of, but you know, nearly every bomb used in the war was manufactured here, which is, is interesting. Uh, the, the reason it ties into Mothman is because, well, during the, the operational years of the plant, um, what was made there was mostly explosives, TNT, uh, a lot of chemicals. It's a very, very big plant. Um, years after the plant is shut down, what's discovered is that there's a lot of uh, leaks, chemical leaks into the environment. At that time, uh, they had kind of recommissioned the property to be a bird sanctuary, you know, a place for people to go hunting, people to go fishing. And, you know, eventually, obviously, we come to where Mothman is spotted there, the strange six-foot bird. And a lot of people thought that it might have been a byproduct of, you know, chemical influence from these chemical spills from this plant into the environment. Or there are other people who also believe that, you know, the plant had more things going on there than just building bombs. They thought that there might have been some genetic manipulation, some mutations, some experimenting going on with unusual things. And maybe the Mothman was a product kind of of this plant. Uh, it's also kind of important because the, one of the first major Mothman sightings actually took place at the plant. Um, at the time, it was abandoned. The plant had been shut down. But that's kind of the plant's, uh, the TNT plant's relevance to this whole story. The chemical spills, the first Mothman sighting, and the possible you know, government kind of conspiracy uh, theory of a uh, genetically engineered creature of some kind. Well, one of the other interesting components, which I don't remember uh, seeing in the documentary, but you did just bring up, if uh, 90% of the bombs used by the Americans during World War II were produced at the f this facility, there's a tie to some real tragedy, obviously, in the area. And that type of energy, anybody who explores the paranormal knows that that type of energy can create some very odd occurrences. Um, you know, I don't know if that's related, but it certainly uh, creates a few more questions. No, that's I true. It's an, it's an interesting, that's an interesting idea. I, I honestly... Uh Never thought about that, but it, it is very true. You know, this idea that something originating here that's, you know, bringing damage elsewhere and maybe the consequences of that uh, coming back to hurt the town. Now, part of this facility, and we only have a, a couple minutes before we have to go into news time, but parts of this facility uh, that were created were these igloos, these storage containers, basically, that were supposed to be watered or airtight, I guess. And um, to this day, those those 
facilities still stand? Many of them are still, quote-unquote, sealed. Is that right? Yeah, there's uh, hundreds of them, maybe even thousands of them. I mean, from the air, we flew over there just to kind of get an idea. And they just go on forever. I mean, they're just basically kind of uh, bunkers that are built into the earth that are meant to be hidden from the air. They just look kind of like an Indian burial mound. Uh, they just they kind of disappear into the environment. But there are these, best way I'd describe them would be igloos, you know, that were used to store these chemicals, uh, and they're right there, you know, next to two ponds and rivers and lakes. They're, they're right there, uh, you know, in, in these uh, forests, and, and so you can see how if something leaks, it doesn't have to go far, you know, a couple of feet, and it's in the ponds that are there and affecting the wildlife. We're talking with writer, director, producer Matt Pulowski of Eyes of the Mothman, a new documentary. Uh, that is uh, available. It has been released publicly. Is that right, Matt? Yes. Uh, it was released in early February. Um, it's basically out in stores, uh, Best Buy, Walmart, Target. Um, if it's not at your local retailer, you can also get it online anywhere. Um, and it's doing pretty well. Uh, it's getting some good reviews. A lot of people are appreciating the fact that it is you know, an exhaustive, thorough investigation of something that you know another person might have just taken the quick monster from outer space hokey approach. You know, there's a lot of people that have really responded positively uh, and appreciated the fact that, you know, we kind of brought a more historical, grounded, you know, um, earthly approach to such a strange topic. We'll continue. Uh, so i got to cut you off. We're going we're gonna to go into news break, we'll, but we'll continue this conversation. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to TAPS Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio.